What's up, party people? This is Ian Lenhart coming at you from Miami, Florida, just to let you know that it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. And recently, I got this amazing news, and it is that Trueface has officially been acquired by Pangeum. Now, why is that important to me? It's important because I was the first employee at Trueface and really helped shape and define a large part of my life. Back when I was in college, uh, the network marketing company I was working with got shut down by the FTC, and that led me to say, oh, okay, let me check out a different career path. And at that time, I was like, okay, I want to one day be an entrepreneur. But I knew that I didn't have a beautiful idea that I was super passionate about and I was ready to go on to that venture. So I decided it's probably best if I find a startup, an early stage startup, where I can learn be a sponge and learn how how this all works so that led me to my senior year of college researching a bunch of different companies i was going on cnet TechCrunch, AngelList, you name it looking at companies that had under five people on the team and that were in some sort of form of emerging tech i then went out and used the chrome extensions contact out and hunter.io to basically get people's emails. And I would send cold emails out to the founders just being like, listen, my name's Ian Lenhart. I'm a senior in college. I'll do whatever it takes. I'm just looking you know, to find somebody that I can work for and I'll prove it. So eventually that led me to getting connected with Sean Moore, CEO of Trueface. And that blossomed from there. I ended up working pro bono for about a year from there myself, Sean, and, and the CTO, Nazar Chapney, and co-founder. We ended up getting into a Rewrite Labs, which was a accelerator in San Francisco. I was living in a hostel at the time, just trying to make it. I was so excited. Eventually, fast forward, we got into 500 startups, which was an awesome top three accelerator at the time. And I met all sorts of startup founders and people from all over the world that had these amazing stories. And I was so fascinated and captivated by it. It's actually what inspired starting this podcast, The Damn Good Day Podcast because I wanted to create an outlook where I could interview amazing, successful top performers and understand why they do what they do. So fast forward, eventually we got seed funding, moved to Venice, California. We're living on the beach, living the dream. And after my five years of working with the company, I ended up parting ways and going and working with a company called Safegraph. But in that time, Trueface has officially been sold. I had a great time hanging out with Sean and some of my other friends from the company just recently. And man, let me tell you, it was so sweet to build something with these people that ended up becoming family to me, business partners, and so much more. The moral of the story that I want to share with you is it is possible. It's possible. Most startups fail, like nine out of 10, crazy statistic amount of startups fail. But if you work with talented people that are committed, that are about the grind, that are good people, I think good people is the biggest thing because you're going to go through a lot of ish. It is possible. So I'm so grateful. I'm so proud of the team there. Congratulations. Woo, it was a damn good day, baby. And this episode is going to be freaking fantastic. So we're talking to my friend, Daniel Ruiz Arab. And let me tell you how I met Daniel. I was at at BB Bistro. My friend Alicia told me that it was an absolute fireplace to get brunch. And my friend Austin Keene, pro uh, wakeboarder, was coming into town. And I was like, listen, I got to find a, a dank brunch spot. Eventually, I went to BB Bistro and just had an amazing time and amazing service. Somehow, Daniel, who was the director at BB Bistro, saw our post, ended up following me. I went back, saw him again, and then Alicia connected us. 
Next thing you know, we hit it off. I invite him onto the podcast, and this guy is incredible. Let me tell you about a little bit about Daniel. Not only is he the director of BB Bistro, and they're expanding and growing, just one of the best brunch spots in Miami. You got to check it out. But he's also one of the co-founders of the Miami Times, where they detail all sorts of amazing events that's happening inside of Miami. They have over 150,000 followers on their account and growing every single day. But more excitingly to me is that he's the founder of Hero Hospitality, where he takes on restaurants that are looking to grow and teaches them the experience that they need in order to basically scale and have a profitable business. And his big key to success he talks about here is knowing the numbers. So if you're into the restaurant world, the food world, and quite frankly, me pitching why you should move to Miami, this is going to be an amazing episode. We talk about things like what makes a restaurant successful, diagnosing the culture of a good restaurant versus a bad restaurant, and understanding the importance of your numbers. So super fired up today. This is going to be an awesome episode. As always, you can find this episode live on YouTube. Like if you want to see the live action of me talking, it's pretty crazy. You get jaw lines moving. Check it out on YouTube. And so without further ado, episode 100. 18 with Daniel Arab. Let's jump into it. And we're live. Welcome to the Damn Good Day Show. I'm here with Daniel Ruiz Arab, my man, Miami's greatest. How are you? <laughs> That's a very kind introduction. I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm excited. I'm excited how we first met. I thought it was a very authentic way to meet. I had one of the greatest steak and eggs <laughs> brunch at BBB Stro. Uh-huh. And we didn't we met, but I didn't really make the connection at that time. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, that's that's it. It was a true authentic like hi, how are you? You know, just being kind to each other and whatnot. And we we really didn't honestly know who we were. Well, and- I was with my buddy, Austin. Austin was Austin Keen. for anyone knows. He's a awesome skimboarder, even better human. And we met, me and Austin met at this YouTube conference probably like two years ago. Okay. And he had happened to be in town. So we said, I need a great brunch spot. So <laughs> I hit up my friend, Alicia. I said, Alicia, what's your favorite brunch spots in Brickle? Alicia said, BB Bistro. Yep. And then we get there and then the rest is history. Yeah. We took it from there. And then that's how good people meet. And what's cool about it is that Alicia is actually technically who introduced us through Instagram, yes. but we met authentically in person. I just didn't put two and two together. Neither did I at that moment. I was just, you know, so I don't run um, BB Stro's Instagram page, but I do check it, you know, regularly to kind of, you know, to see how it's going. And, and I just see this, that we were tagged, um, you know, it pops up in the DMs, right? When someone tags you. So I was like, who is this? So I click in and it's like this, this Ian guy that has, uh, you know, like a few thousand followers, like very cool and it, like nice vibe and whatnot. And then I check who you're with just out of curiosity, you know, it's like people do that. I'm one of those. Um, and it turns out that you're with this like super famous, like wakeboarder that has like, I don't know what, like 300, 400,000 followers. And I was like, this is great for the restaurant. Um, and I think even before anything, just when I saw who you were through Instagram, I just added you like immediately and started scrolling through your, uh, through your Instagram. And that's when I think, 
I think I sent you a text or, or a DM saying, dude, like, thank you for coming and for supporting. It was just like genuine, authentic thank you. And I didn't do that from the restaurants page. I did it from, from my personal. And you were like, you know, absolutely and whatnot. So I, I think it was like meant to happen for us to cross paths. And it's cool. it's cool when people are just like naturally stoked on life. And that's what you are. You're oozing with stoke. <laughs> You're so just happy and passionate about what you do. And you can see it in everyone that works at that restaurant. And you can see it as you're building and scaling and helping people build and scale their own restaurants, which yeah. we're going to talk about. But it's exciting. You've lived in Miami now for how long? So I have a, a, like a story that's a little bit more common than what people think in Miami. So I was born here uh, and lived here till I was like around seven, eight years old and then moved back to Bolivia, which is where my family's from. So you're OG from Bolivia? Like yeah. Born? No. So born here, raised there. Got it. Um, and I was in Bolivia from about eight years old to 25-ish. Uh, and then it was time to like, you know, really focus on professional growth and whatnot. And that's a different topic, but it's, it's much more difficult to do it there than here. Um, I've always known what I loved. I'm, as you said, and, and it's true. I'm like ridiculously passionate about like literally everything, um, everything that I do. So I came back and, and, you know, got into my thing, which is restaurants and food. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's, kind of how I landed Miami and I've been here for the past seven years now. Um, but yes, I am a rare breed of Miami born, uh, citizens. Well, and I'm obsessed with Miami. I love, yeah, I moved here. This is uh, typically for anyone that follows the Jones and knows my life. I, I, I tend to move a lot. I get yeah. cold feet and I want to like move. And every six months to a year, I just try something new. I was in a part about, I don't know, three, four months ago when I was thinking like it was, I hit like my around six months in Miami. I'm mm -hmm. like, I think I need to make a move. And I said, no, man, you need to settle down and pick a city and then learn it and run it and, yeah. and meet people. And that's what I did. You know, I'm, I'm working on closing on a house right now and doing yes, a lot of exciting stuff. And I feel like I'm excited to kind of plant my flag and meet amazing people and yeah. just get to know everyone. Because like, when you have a neighborhood of people that you know, it makes the whole community feel so much better. Well, right? ultimately, that's community, right? That's that's it. It's just a bunch of neighbors that kind of like, kind of might think alike and kind of you know know what they want as individuals and 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 have the same love for where they are. And based on that and certain common values, is you know the the establishment of a community and. Uh, and there's a, a lot of a lot of people that are doing that in Miami right now, and it only makes sense. It's such a great city, um, regardless of like different political views. We have, I think, good leadership in the state, in the county, and in the city. Um, and mind you, that both like state, county, and city, you, you have like Republicans and Democrats in between, uh, like county mayors, Democrat, you know, city mayor, kind of Republican whatnot but everyone is kind of like on the same train everyone kind of has like the same vision and i think right now we're at a point where you walk into miami and you just feel the energy and everyone's like dude we're amazing and i was like yes we are it's like do we have faults it's like absolutely like every single city in the world but it is such a cool city it's so vibrant it is so young uh I mean, in spirit, 
right? I feel like if Miami would be a city, it would probably have my attitude. Like, let's go. You know, it's I like, love the melting pot feature. I love that crazy. there's like there's, 50 shades of caramel of different, you know, of everything, everybody and everything and all the different food. And it's, uh, it's, how do you not be very much into it? And then the water life and the water dude, just being by the water is, is it gives at least me the sense of peace and calmness throughout the frenzy of a big city. Um, and there's also because of the shutdowns and lockdowns and all that, we know a lot of people are moving from up north, uh, particularly New York. And I just think that's only going to make us better because I don't think it's it's um, I don't think it's news to anyone that obviously New York, because of its history, has like very demanding taste. Um, and that's helping us in Miami also elevate the, the, the standards of our service in the hospitality industry. <clears throat> so it, it, it is making us better. Um, and then until very recently, Miami was also kind of like undermined or looked downwards by other bigger cities because of the lack of variety that we had in, in the city culinary scene. Right. And, and everyone's like, yeah, you can get like Cuban food and like, that's about it. Shout and out Cubanos which I love, by the way, um, but it, and, and it, they're not wrong. Like it used to be that until a few years back, but then you have amazing chefs uh, like who I work for, which is Chef Henry Hain uh, from B Bistro. Uh, that's really bringing in like different flavors and, and concepts. And, and, and it has like this great creative mind that we put in the middle of Brickle. Right. And with a very non-traditional menu and it's like, blows up and and obviously that's like five years out but then you see other places uh and other chefs like chef brad kilgore from alter right um they come up with this like super like high-end upscale molecular like concept cuisine and it's closed now still because of everything that's going on but you would have to reserve weeks in advance to get into there and then now you have like coat in miami design district and then you have like all these you know major food group and the Groot hospitality opening up these all other concepts it's like and all this is happening now like in the past literally like two and a half three years which is crazy well i don't want this to become an entire but it probably is <laughs> uh an entire ad to move to miami but uh, <laughs> why not number one like everyone should come moving from california i loved california i loved my time there during covid i thought california got really lame personally i just didn't enjoy it at yeah. that time so moving here number one saving 10 percent on taxes or does more. does not suck does not suck <laughs> standard of living much higher uh, for me, there's only two places I would live. It's California or Florida, mm -hmm. right? Because I love weather. I love the the warm weather, the beautifulness, water, water scuba diving. Like I want to, I want to live like that. I grew up in the Northeast. I grew up in New York. I put my time in. Mm -hmm. You know, I got my salt all up in my car. It ruined <laughs> my my stuff enough. You know, <laughs> you know, I loved that. But I also just like the opportunity. Like Miami, I think is painted right now as like a complete party town. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, it's crazy. You, you come here and rage. And yes, yeah, South Beach is completely like that um, at some degree. But yes. I've also seen a whole different side of it. And a lot of that comes from what I've seen with the tech boom from San Francisco moving in awesome. and all these different businesses moving in. I think Wynwood's going to become like the next tech capital of the world. Uh, Mayor uh, Suarez just crushing it. Yeah. Um, bringing the NASDAQ in I just saw recently. That was which yesterday. Is, which is crazy. Yeah. That's huge. And... And 
I think you just hit something that's super interesting and is another of the million. We should do a show called A Million Reasons to Love Miami. Um, but this is like one of the other reasons is that there's a lot of people from out of town that come, some friends of mine that live, you know, abroad or in other states. And they're like, nah, Miami's kind of like not for me. I was like, whoa, calm down. Like, take it you easy, You don't bro. know Miami. Because if you would, you want to stay. Because Miami has this particular distribution where the question to ask to Miami is, what do you like? What do you want? Right? If you're like into like the more bohemian, you know, street art type of thing, you have like Wynwood, right? If you're more into the tech financial area, kind of like kind of be like a little mini Manhattan type of thing. You have now like Brickle and downtown is turning very much into that. Obviously, if you're more into the water, you have like Miami Beach. If you want more of like a family oriented, a little bit more calm, cool, collected, you have like Coral Gables, Coconut Grove, right? And, and as you look throughout the city, it just has space for everyone and everyone's welcome here. You just have to know where you're looking and you'll fit right in. And, and I then think, you have to decide what you want too, because like, yeah, I, don't, I don't party that much anymore. And like, yeah. you don't have to, like most people think that they move here. I'm just going to party all the time. Like, first off, when you get a little bit older, you're not going to want to do that. You know, yeah, that'll pass quickly. <laughs> yeah. Just one or two bad hangovers at 28 <laughs> plus and you're done. Yeah. Goodbye. See yeah, ya. yeah. But, but, but you see, I mean, that's just the cool thing. If you want to move to party because you know, you can, you have that too. It's nice having the option. And Miami is that. It's just a bunch of options of whatever you want it to be. And that I do think, honestly, that is one of Miami's biggest traits. It will be whatever you want it to be. Um, I will definitely trademark that just on record. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be whatever you want it to well, be. You, well, you started um, the Miami Times, which is, is a pretty popping poppin gram. It is. So I didn't start it. It was my cousin, Pedro. Um, um, hi, Pedro. Hello. He'll, he'll definitely be watching. And he's like, your pose was incorrect. I was like, shut up. Um, so he started it a few years back, got really, really popular. I would venture to say that he was potentially, definitely not the first, but one of the first, one of the first um, to kind of expose Miami's like culinary night scene a few years back before Instagram was like that big of a, of, he was a first mover in the space of he, brand. He was, he was, uh, he loves the city, um, also raised here. And, and the idea with, with Miami times. So I'm deviating. Let's go in order. So he's the one that created it. <clears throat> he wanted to capitalize. And that's kind of when I came in, um, because that's kind of my thing. Like I know how to run a business and how to like make it grow and, and make money off of it. Um, and he's like, do you want to be my partner? Because he's really good with, with these things like pictures and videos and concepts and ideas. And I was like, and I suck at that, but I'm good at this other part. So we'll make a great team. And obviously it just made sense. Not only he's my family and I love the guy, but he's also very talented. He was kind of a pioneer in branding Miami and, and turning, turning it into a thing. And he was just missing that one little part where, where I jumped in. And, and of course, I want to be part of anything that, you know, showcases Miami and its nightlife and its hospitality and its food. And it's, it's more than that, because if you go through through Miami Times Instagram, you'll see pictures of Miami, right, of, of like the city and the beaches. So we kind of like 
connect all the dots of of Miami and everything that it has to offer in this one little grand page. I love that you do these things, and I think everybody should even even if they're trying to just build a page or not, they should go out and venture out because I feel like this forces you to go explore. It forces you yes. to find the new spots. Absolutely. It forces you to invest time into explaining what it is because sometimes the best way to do like a good book review is to read the book, right? Yes. So you have to be able to go to these places, yes. get the vibe and then create it. And it's a beautiful page. I mean, he did an amazing job and it's only getting bigger. It, it is only getting bigger and hopefully, you know, it'll continue to grow. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And the cool thing is, is yes, you do have to go out and explore and just like you said, to, the best review will come from the one who wrote it. And it's great to expose that to, to everyone. But ultimately, it just makes you fall in love more, you know, because you're the one out there. I mean, you can try and show whatever you want to try and show, but you're there and you're living it. And, and you know, it's like everything we do just connects us more to to this beautiful, amazing city. I mean, it's like just for in the, taking that concept out, podcasting. People say, why do I podcast? I podcast for this moment when I'm sitting here and I'm in the moment with it. Like yeah. I selfishly podcast because I love doing it. It's exactly. so much fun, and, right? And, 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 and a side effect. And that's is, the door to everything. Right. Like nothing huge has ever been built truly without passion. Right. And I, I, I foresee, you know, great success with what you're doing. And I think you're going to be a kick ass podcaster. And, you know, it's like you've been doing this for a minute, but it takes time, like everything that's good. Um, and you have to invest time. But ultimately, drive comes from passion and the great people of the world. You will not tell me that the great people of the world weren't passionate about what they were doing. Um, Right. And, and, and that, that, that's and us with Miami. We're just like so passionate about it. We want to make it, you know, greater than what it is and make it better. And same with you with your podcast. You well, what like, I really want to do is I want to become like, I love connecting people. And yeah. I'm like really fired up to over the next year focus my guest list on entrepreneurs around here because I want to really meet people in this area. Yeah. Uh, because I want to, I want to know the neighbors, man. Yeah. You know, I got this house because your I, neighbors, I want to know the neighbors. Amen. I want to have barbecues. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I want to bring the people over for the barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's better than a great barbecue. In my opinion, you do not have to tell me that twice. Like literally because I'm in the like food industry and the hospitality. Everybody's like, what's your favorite food? And everyone thinks I'm going to say like escargot and this and that. And it's like, no, it's like steak on the grill. Like nothing beats that. And particularly for me, because I'm South American, like descent, for, for us, that's almost a religion. You know, it's a cultural thing. It's like we start grilling when we're like, our parents would put us on the grill with them, our dads when we're like six years old. Well, I remember I went to like this Brazilian party when I was a long time ago, and it was crazy. Yeah. It was absolutely out of control. No, 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 no. Take it to another level in South America. Like you, you'd think like young kids would be crazy, but no, the parents were just as crazy yeah. as everyone else. Like it was nuts. Yeah, it's it's literally it almost was like a religion. It's so fun. It's, it's and like that's a, what I love about Latin American culture. I yeah. love that you can go and eat dinner, and while you're eating dinner, and maybe this is just how I was grown, born. Uh -huh. While you're eating dinner, you're playing music, and it's like uh -huh. it's dancing and it's fun yeah. and it's like. I yeah. love that. It's, it's just a vibe. It's a vibe. It's straight up a vibe. And that's, I think, potentially, this is Latin America's or Latin Americans' greatest quality and trait. It's just, in general, the 
it's just a lot of happy people that are doing that, just listening to music and dancing and this and that. And, you know, if, if you grab that concept, you can easily marry it to why Miami is also Miami because it is undeniably, you know, Latin American DNA in this city right. from so many years back. So that's what you get in the street is that, that just like, what, what uh, in Spanish we call buena onda and buena onda just means like the cool vibes. Right. And, and that's Miami, wherever you go, like you can be like on a street and you can be in a North beach, you can be in Doral and everyone's just like, you know, like people are vibing, people are like happy, smile on their face because at the end of the day, you'll go home in this really cool city. And dude, there's so many people, in, in, in so many other places that, that are great, but they just might not see it. And, and this, well, I've only had city. one, I've only had one friend visit who just wasn't into it. my buddy, Dan, shout out Dan hunt. He's like, listen, I love Miami, Bring but, him to me. but he loves, he's like, <laughs> he loves New York city. He just loves it. He's deep okay. in it. He's deep in that culture and he throws amazing parties and he's got a great scene out there. Yeah. Um, but he think he does see the potential, especially Wynwood. He's, he thinks Wynwood's going to become the next, next yeah. massive thing. I, I think so too. I think uh, it'll be part of the massive thing, which is the entire city. But which yeah. is the entire city. But it's a fundamental component to it. Amen. One thing I'm really excited to touch about is, like you mentioned before when you teamed up with Pedro, mm-hmm. that you have this business savviness that, say, Pedro did not. Or, right, like you, mm-hmm. your complement is taking a business, making it profitable, figuring out how to actually make money doing something, right? Mm-hmm. And you fell in love with these restaurants and you're helping businesses and entrepreneurs scale up these restaurants. You have a uh, different, your own company called Zero Hospitality. Is that how? Hero. Hero Hospitality. Hospitality. How'd you come up with that name? Um, Because I was literally trying to be a hero for them. (laughs) Like two and two. Just like, you know, simple. Um, But yeah, that that really came out as... um, So... There's very few industries, I think, that suffered as much as restaurants doing the shutdowns and this whole pandemic thing, which, by the way, has been over in Miami for a very long time. Um, but there was a lot of, of restaurants that were struggling, and um, I just felt that, and I really mean this in the most humble, I never want to sound like, I'm, like I know everything because I honestly genuinely feel that I don't, and proof of that is that even today at my age, in my position, I'm still like taking classes online to learn new stuff. Um, if you go to my house, I have like 400 books, like literally throughout the house um, <clears throat> that I'm like still reading and super basic things because I, I, I'm just like, I never feel that I know enough. Um, so that leads for me to ultimately know something, right? right? And that little tiny bit that I may not, may know about restaurants, uh, and how to operate them properly, um, I thought maybe I could put this to right, you know, right. to service to other places that are really like struggling and just might need a hand. So that's when I created um, Hero Hospitality, and very quickly I found like a customer. It's like a couple that they wanted to do their first restaurant venture, and and I I like helped them out. Um, it's called Rose Cafe. Look them up on Instagram. Um, we came up with this very cool concept. I was lucky enough to work with these people that that she 
in particular, it was a couple, knew exactly what she wanted as a concept, right? Like healthy and yummy and this and that. So I was like, I would absolutely love to help you. So I did. And, you know, long story short, almost a year passed by, but it's now open. It's working very well. It's a beautiful place. Um, another place that's quite known now in Miami is like the people from um, Hachidori Ramen in Little River. Um, I was less involved there, but it, it was kind of like the same thing. It was a couple and they wanted to start their own restaurant and whatnot. And, and uh, Jessica came to me uh, and she's like, can you just like guide me? It's like, I'm really not sure of what to do. And I was like, right. come here, sit down. <laughs> like, I'll help you out. Um, so I, I just like pointed them in, in the right direction of like, this is kind of how the process works and this is what you have to be careful with. Uh, and they ended up coming up with a really cool, successful concept today. And it, it sometimes that's just all you need, right? You don't need this whole like gigantic know-how and how things work. Sometimes you just need a little bit of guidance. And I think I can provide sometimes a little bit of guidance and now it's been six different uh, uh, places or restaurants that I've kind of helped guide a little bit. And, not, and not, you're way too humble on yourself. And, you know, I, I just people then is like, oh, he thinks he knows everything. It's like I literally no, think I know nothing. No, in this um, world, if you go out and you read ten books on a subject, that already will equip you more than most people know yeah. on that subject. Yeah. And, and everyone should feel empowered to yeah. know that they can become an expert on this. You've yeah. done it. You've been in the field. And you teach people. My question is, what are some of the, like the biggest challenges of why businesses, specifically restaurants, fail? What's the number one reason people fail in the restaurant industry? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, God, I don't know how to lie. I'm going to have to give you my honest answer. Um, people confuse restaurants with the ability to cook. And it's obviously important, but you can have a really bad product and really bad service and still be profitable. If you don't believe me, you can ask like Subway. I don't like Subway. I don't have anything against them. I just don't think they have a great product. And I can't remember last time I walked into a Subway that I had good service. So let's say not great product, not great service. It is literally the biggest restaurant group on the planet. They have like 50,000 locations. They know their numbers. And that's Hero Hospitality Logan. It's like, know your numbers. Know your numbers. So I think there's a lot of um, subjectivity that goes into the restaurant world. And it's like, oh, he's like, you see restaurants that are packed. And from one day to another, they're just like closed. So you're saying it's not the actual food itself and it's also not the amazing service. It's the, what, what is the X factors that you think? Financials. The like financials. Know your numbers. You have to know what you're doing. You have to know where your money's coming from. You have to know where it's going. And if you don't know that, you don't know anything. Or you might know something about these other worlds, right? The service world or the food world, like being an actual chef or, you know, a maitre d' and this and that. But ultimately, like any business, it comes down to the numbers. I've seen wonderful restaurants just like packed lines at the door. And they just like shut down the next day because like what happened? 
I, I don't know if that's ever happened to you where you see like this restaurant just like kind of busy like it seems like they've been there for a minute and then just like disappear and that's because they're not managing their financials properly and ultimately you know if you want to have big difference here it is you can have a good restaurant but it could be a terrible business mm. expand on that or you can have a bad restaurant bad food bad service and it could be a great business does that make sense? Got it. And if you get them both, then it's an, uh, an absolutely exactly. amazing. And ultimate, if, if you're like me, I pursue excellence on a persistent basis. Like that's my biggest thing. I'm more passionate about excellence than I'm on any other subject. So excellence I, in the sense of like for the line cook to be amazing at what he does. I mean everything in my life. Like from I want the cooks to do their part, to show up on time, like wearing their uniform, feel pressed. proud of themselves. Yeah. Because you know, look good. You feel look good. good, feel good. Yeah. And I want like the servers to do an exit, but, but it's not just on them. Like it's on me too. Right. To lead primarily on me. I can't demand anything that I'm not willing to do. So you see a lot of these restaurants fail cause they don't have leadership too. Well, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's a combination, right? It's, it's, it's no different from any other business. I think the biggest thing with restaurants is people think that it's like this glamorous lifestyle. Well, like, ooh, I have this restaurant or I manage that restaurant. And it's like, ooh, he has restaurants or he manages, right? There's this like je ne sais quoi that surrounds restaurants. Right. And it's not like that. It's very much not like that. Like today, you know, I, I, I operate the Bistro. Like I'm the director of operations for them, but where is it? Here, can you see that in camera? Yeah, you got this nasty scar. Yeah, and that's like from the pans in the kitchen because I was like literally like walking into the kitchen making sure like everything was, you know, working and they needed some help. So I jumped in, burned myself. I'm okay with that, right? It's like, and then we started, I told you earlier today, we started construction for our second location. So if you look down at my pants, it's like, it's like dusty and this. But you're that. willing to get in the trenches and show people because you must. you're passionate about each aspect. Because to me, restaurants are confusing. It's like you have all this product and that product literally has a shelf life yeah. where if you don't use it, you literally just lose it. And that's so much different than many different retail sites. Well, yeah. And that brings me back to my first um, point, which is you have to know your numbers. Like, what are you buying? How much? How much are you supposed to sell? Like how, it, how much experience comes in when it comes to the supply that you get? Is there like just a few big vendors that supply everybody? Or how much sourcing comes in when it comes to a successful restaurant? Um, I guess that, that, that varies widely depending on the type of restaurant. Um, you have restaurants that are like medium, like successful restaurants that have 150, 200 seats. that have like 20 suppliers. And then you have a restaurant like McDonald's that has two, right? It's like Cisco and one more. That's whatever their own supplier is. And in the case for Bibistro, we have four or five. Um, so... It, it really varies because we talk of the restaurant industry like in a very broad aspect, but I would think again, like any other business, like the more you get into it, you start seeing differences, right? You, you can't compare, uh, like a high end steakhouse, like Smith and Walensky or, you know, Ruth Christie's with Dunkin' Donuts, right? It's like, they're just two different businesses. It's completely. 
Um, so, so most of these things, like the one thing in common that all of them have is like any business, you need great leadership and you need to know your numbers. Like that's the one thing that, that, um, that'll make them work. And that's the one principle that you can apply to any business beyond restaurants. Um, and like you said before, like, I'm just very passionate about restaurants and, <laughs> and I don't, it's not enough for me for, for, for the restaurant that I work for to, to just make it work. So do you think when, when you do and sit down and do the numbers, cause that's the stuff that you're good with and you're sitting down with a new client of yours and, mm -hmm. and you're talking through them, like what are some of the biggest sort of red flags that you identify that most people miss when it comes to the numbers, the goals. So th there's certain goals I mean, we're going to get really technical. I don't know if you're into yeah, that, yeah, but, yeah. you know, let it be. Um, I'm curious. I'm genuinely so, so curious. There, there's, there's certain standards within the food industry that, that you kind of have to keep to. And a lot of people, again, it's like, oh, I have this great recipe for my grandmother. I want to open a restaurant. It's like, that's the wrong approach, but okay, we'll make it work. Right? So you have in restaurants what you call your primary costs. This is really technical. Um, so your primary cost is basically when you add your labor cost, so your payroll cost, to your food cost, so your purchases. When you combine those two, that creates your primary cost. And in a nutshell, and this is like really simplifying it, unless your primary cost is below 60% of your overall cost, you don't have a business. So it's like a 60% rule is kind of like the rule of thumb. That's like the very basic primary number one. Overall cost would be like your rent and like paying staff and all that stuff. So no, paying staff is labor. Okay. Oh, that, yeah, right. that, that's Sorry. your, that's your payroll. So that should never exceed 30% ever. And your food cost is basically the ingredients that you purchase and that should never exceed 30%. So when you combine those two, that's called primary cost. And that primary cost should never be over 60%. Now you get to play with that, right? Is my food cost up from 30%? Is it like 32, 33, 34? That means I can still make it work, but I have to kind of like squeeze my payroll down or I have a very high payroll, right? It's way above 30%. It's like 35. Okay. That means I have to drop my food cost to about 25%. So we're talking on the higher end of the margins, but that's basically your, your number one thing to look at when you're starting a restaurant or when you have a restaurant that kind of isn't doing great. Like those are the two new numbers that you have to look at first and you go from there. Interesting. And then from like a marketing standpoint, if you have your numbers right, right, what is the game changer to get people in the door and then keep them there? Ah, there we go. That's where your food and your service comes in. So one is managing the business and the other one is managing the restaurant. These are two different things that people confuse way too often. So ultimately, I think um, the best marketing that you're going to have is great food and great service. For example, uh, at the Bistro, we don't pay a dime on marketing ever. Nothing. Not a single dollar on like sponsored posts. So people coming in is do this does the marketing itself, dude. I mean, seriously, you take those pictures of that stuff, that steak and eggs, your pancakes, man. 
Your pancakes are probably so bad for me, and I freaking ate all of them. But they're oh great my. for your soul. They're good for your soul. <laughs> oh, my God. And that is all Chef Henry. They he's, were he's beautiful. The, beautiful. He's the creative uh, mind and partner behind like the entire menu, and he's super talented. So all the things that you're talking about, like the steak and eggs and the fasito pancakes, like that all comes from his his. You and know, you also gave head. me an ample amount of syrup. Little thing. Little thing. Yeah. But I hate when I just get this tiny thing of syrup. I had enough syrup to drown those cakes. Yeah, man. If I'm and eating it, cakes, I want that syrup, yo. And I think that's one of one of the keys of the bistro is 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 that that and it's not like maple syrup. Chef Henry comes up with it's like a brown butter maple syrup. Like nothing is just that one thing, right? It's like if you get an avocado toast, it's not like bread and avocado. He puts his his magic touch on like everything. Um, and there's no detail that is left unattended anywhere, like not on the food, not in the kitchen, not in the service. I mean, come on, we have days and days, right? There's days where we screw up it. It happens, right? Like something can happen. Um, but it happened like for the volume that this business does, we do, I think a really, really good job. So I was doing numbers a couple of days ago just because I was like completely bored. It was like 10 PM and I was home. I was like, I wonder. So I started crunching some numbers of like how many covers we do per day and how many guests we take up, like on average, Monday through Friday, plus Saturday, Saturday. So I come up with a crazy number. Mind you, this is a 1,800 square feet restaurant, so it's quite small. And it turns out that we're on track 2021 to doing over 130,000 clients this year alone. Wow. And... We used to have these lines, crazy lines, Saturday and Sunday for brunch. You know, back in the day, you know, we've always had that like little crowd and then it started getting bigger and bigger. And now we have like one hour waits Monday through Sunday, like every single day. Every day. Every day. Yeah. You have to go almost assuming it's going to be an hour. So just go early. (laughs) Go, go like, go early. Or the other trick, which people don't like really pay attention to is like go super late. Like if we stop serving brunch at four, get there like three thirty. Really? That's the play, huh? Yeah. Now, you know, that is the, wow. That is, yeah. That's because a game we, we still have like the full menu at three thirty, and you know, we, we close the kitchen at four. So if you sit there, you know, at four, we will gladly take care of you. Um, and you have like the entire selection. So that's, that's what needs to be done for those trying to avoid the crowds. Damn. Right there. That's enough. <laughs> For everyone that needs to listen, that's <laughs> enough golden nuggets right there. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, but yeah, ultimately, and, and back to your to your question, like, there's no better marketing for you to do what you have to do the best. Did that come out right? I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, that's it. Like, I, heard, you, I heard the croissants at BBB show are insane. Again, it's Chef Henry and his crazy mind. It's quality. You know, it's like, I think that's... that's do, do you hang out with Chef Henry just like at his house and like... Like you see him behind the scenes with chef Henry, like all the, yeah, we yeah. talk all day, every day. He's not there often because he has like a lot of other things going on. Uh, he opened like Bebito's cafe in, in, uh, in Miami beach. He's opening another restaurant at Wynwood. Um, but he's constantly just, his mind's running around like crazy. Like, let's try this. Let's do this. I have to stop him sometimes. And like the few times that we've argued has, has with me kind of slowing his creativity down. He's like, we need to do this and we should do this. And it was like, chef, calm down. It's like, we need to like standardize things. You always call him chef. 
I'm sorry? You always call Chef Henry I always chef. call him Chef. Yeah. It's just a matter of respect, I guess. That's awesome. I love um, that. And I've known him for years. So so he created this this awesome restaurant, um, partners with Patricia and Mark, who are the two other partners. And and um, how are we getting into this? I don't know. But we I, had this I conversation like, before. Yeah. Um, so they, they wanted to really like standardize operations and, and grow. And, and I had met Chef Henry before. And uh, we tried to work together before. It wasn't possible because I was still working um, for Dunkin' Donuts back then, like, you know, supervising like a bunch of places and whatnot. And then I was working for Waldorf Astoria. You know, this is my career. Like, I've been. Yeah, as you're the up and up. The yeah. Up and, up. and yeah, doing my thing in the, like, these big companies. And one day uh, we just connect again with, with, uh, with Chef. And he's like, hey, like, I have like the opportunity for you to come in now, um, um, to help me run the business. Like, are you interested? It's like, absolutely. And it's cool when you, uh, you, you make a connection with somebody, you stay close with that person. And that's and exactly what happened. And eventually the universe lets you know when it's time. That's exactly what happened because mind you, this was years ago. Like I met him, I was going to jump on board, uh, uh, the bistro very early like pre-opening, it was still under construction. Things didn't work out for whatever. Um, and two or three years later, just out of the blue, we, you know, we kind of always kept in touch. Like, how are you? We would just check on each other. We'd like, you know, we care. We, we always clicked. And then shit happened. Like you just said, it. and it was like kind of meant to be. And he's like, like, can you come now? And I was like, actually... I can. I was living in Key West because that's where I managed. I managed like the Duncans, like South Miami, all the way to Key West. Um, and I was in Key West, and I was like, "All right, it's time to go back to Miami. I love the island, but it's been a minute. Like, time to go back to the city." And when I was, that that thought was just popping in my head, is like when he reached out. So it was like perfect, and that was four years ago. That's awesome. It's just a, it's a great lesson in connections and friendships and all yes. these things. And everyone listening right now should think about who in your life is a connection that you very much just admire or cherish and yep. make sure that you're, you're watering it because yep. I, I saw this quote the other day. It's like, if you, if you, uh, I think it was Buddha that said it <laughs> and he was trying to describe love, right? Ooh. If you like something, like if you like a flower, you'll pluck it. You'll pluck it, whatever. Yeah. If you love a flower, you'll water it every day. Yeah. Think about your relationships. Are you watering those relationships or are you just, is that just some flower that's chilling out there? Yeah. Like I try to do that because we get so caught up in life and there's never enough time to do anything, but it's like, use this as a reminder, like who in your life do you admire and not even just to be selfish, but yeah, one day if you do good things and you do good for the world, that's just like our attitude. Yeah. Good things come back and people want to do business with good people that they trust. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would venture to say that ultimately it all comes down to that, to trust, right? But on your on, on your note, um, I agree. It's like, and you said something that really touches my heart because it's true. And I've always had this idea when I was a kid and I still have it today um, that I've always wanted to change the world. Like how I know it sounds kind of crazy, but... As, as I grew, I kind of understood that I can within my capacity. 
And what I've learned throughout the years is that, again, this is a very personal thing. This isn't for everyone, right? Um, Right. But what I learned is that I can change the world in only one way. And it's through private business. This is a very me thing. This is the purpose behind your business. This is like how. You right? need a purpose. You need a purpose. My purpose is to change the world, to c- contribute, right? And for w- what I've learned or life has you know, taught me is that you do that through business. Mm-hmm. And within business, I have this passion for food and service. Like I adore serving people um, and making myself useful to them with whatever capacity I have to, like it genuinely makes me happy to serve other people. So acts of service is definitely one of your top two love languages. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. You know what you're talking about. Um, And so I learned, okay, I can change the world. How can I do it best? And for me, what worked was through private business. And within private business, I've always loved restaurants because of one particular reason beyond the food. Um, Is that restaurants are one of the very few businesses that really grant access to a very broad range of humans that can make it to the top regardless of their background. Hmm. So if you go into banking, for example, just to like elaborate a little bit more, like you kind of need to speak English pretty much perfectly. Um, you need to know, like, you probably have to have a degree in like accounting or finance or, or something like that. Right. And that's like the banking world. And, you know, you'll start as a cashier and work your way up, work your way up. And like so many other businesses are just like, they just have that structure where this is like your minimal requirement, at least a degree in this or that. And then you go from there. But restaurants, because we're always just like so crazy and we're like always understaffed and we're always late and this and that. It's like, you want to (laughs) work? And people are like, sure. I was like, okay, you're hired. And it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It doesn't matter. There's no bias. They don't care about your background. They don't care about your degree. They care about like, hey, do you want to work? And you want to be part of a team. That's it. Like all you need in the restaurant world is the willingness to do things. That's it doesn't matter. And Chef Johnny, who's our kitchen manager today at Brickle, for example, uh, he's Venezuelan, spoke next to nothing of English when he started with us a few years back and actually didn't know how to cook, but he needed a job. Fast forward three years, he's managing a multi-million dollar kitchen. And he was a lawyer in Venezuela. That's amazing. And these dudes must throw the most bomb ho- like holiday parties. You have no idea. Like it's crazy. <laughs> it's insane. Um, but that's my love for restaurants. Really, I think ultimately beyond the business and the food comes because restaurants just provide the opportunity for anyone to reach their maximum potential regardless of their background. No English, no problem, right? It's like no degree, no problemo. 
It's just like, it's the way restaurants are. And you can learn the business and you can see it. It's all around you. And if you want to take the venture and start your own, it's all possible. It is with no previous requirements. What, how has COVID changed your thought process when you come to managing uh, these startups and people that are starting their own business? Like, do you think a little bit different with how you give advice knowing that no. um, people can now? I, I, I might be the only one to say that. <laughs> it's like everyone else is like, it's going digital and this and that. It's like, yes, it is. But I, I, I just, there's just certain principles and values that I believe in that nothing will ever change. One like hard work, something I like consistency, about- discipline, right? It's like love and passion and, and, and knowledge and, and wanting to learn more and, and how do I do better? And, and, you know, working clean and, and with a good heart, like all these things never change. That's is pre-COVID, post-COVID, during COVID. It's like you need to be disciplined and loving and knowledgeable. It's like all these things are just like everyone's like, ooh, how do you achieve success? It's like it's not a secret. Like there's literally people telling you like Gary Vee. They're like shouting in your face like you need to fucking get your shit together and, um, you know, do what you need to do and do it with love. It's like they're telling you. I'm telling you, I'm no one to tell you, but I'm telling you. <laughs> and, and so that never changes. Now, how do we operate differently? It's like, yeah, not really. We came up with our like website and, you know, did our own delivery, but that helped just for a little bit. Now, you know, this shit's over. And again, we're left with what we had the entire time, which was passion and love and doing things with discipline and consistency and being persistent and just grinding and hustling. And, and that's also the nature of our business, right? Um, it's just like a very hard demanding business. Yeah. It's like like you, you demand excellence from each other. We do. And, and one, one and, loose and, tire and, and the, it slows it down and the core values. Right. And just like really like never stop talking about them. Like I have group chats with, um, our leaders at the restaurant today, like the kitchen manager, the bar manager, the pastry manager, like there's a bunch of people, right? We, we grew from like four years ago, we had 14 employees today at that tiny little location. We have 40. Um, so it's like almost three and a half times the amount of employees. Right. And so you have all these different channels of communication and, and, and the one thing that these channels of communication are for is just solely to enforce what we already know to remember what we started exactly and we don't take shit for granted mm. nothing like you go to the bistro today which is like super successful and i and we as a team will treat you like it's our first day and that never changes and I don't let it change. I really fight to like every day because it happens, right? You're doing good. You get a little bit too comfortable and then it's not just like not being so great. And it's like, no. And that's just something that's in me. Like I wake up early every morning, take a shower, go there. And I'm like, all right, guys, let's go. Like, what are we going to do today? What are we doing today? That's a little bit better than yesterday. And these are conversations that we have every day. And it's like, don't forget, don't forget that it is this person's first time might not be our first day, but it's his first time here. Like we want him to come back every day and you don't, you can't force people to do that. You can't force someone to come back every day. You can only nurture that. Right. And, and make it happen through, through like the, 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 
the passion of, of serving with, with love and authenticity and, and, and ultimately everyone wins because that's what's happening today. And that's the path. Like we did things so disciplined, so consistently with so much love and vision throughout the past few years at Bivistro that what I was telling you before, like we just signed our lease for another location in Coconut Grove, which is three and a half times the size of the one we have in Brickell. Um, so that's going to be like another 70 employees, I calculate. So we went from 14 employees to over 100 in like three and a half years. And the owners of the business are winning, right? It's like the managers of the business are winning. The base core employees of the restaurant are winning because all these, you know, our, our, our base team today are our leaders tomorrow. And that's true for today's bistro with like Johnny, for example, Chef Johnny in the kitchen or Marianne, who's going to be the GM of Brickle. And she started out at the bar. Um, like everyone's growing. So it's like everyone wins. So that's why I love private business. And that's why I like making money because it's not making money isn't like the end, it's not the goal for me. It's just a tool that I can use to enhance the lives of other people. And that's my purpose, I think, here. And that's why I live so passionately and that's why I do things with so much love because I know I'm contributing at least a little bit to make the lives of all these people a little bit better. And that's through business and that for me is through restaurants who grant this opportunity to everyone that wants it. So. And some dank ass pancakes. <laughs> and the steak and eggs. Well said. <laughs> if you could go back in time and, and, and everything, like it's funny because before we started this, you're like, Ian, when I, I get a little bit reserved at first because like, I'm like, it's weird with talking into these mic, and it, it is weird. Like you're talking on a podcast <laughs> with some like person in front of you. It's like, you're being recorded. It's like, what's going on? But like, you can just see you have just loosened up so much and like you being in your mojo and in your flow is, is a beautiful thing. Cause oh, you can you. see the passion that's oozing from it. And if, if you're in that group chat, like that group chat's probably lit. Like you guys are probably firing each other up. <laughs> Shit goes down bro. Like every day, every day. And, and laughing at the craziness, because craziness happens all the time. But being able to laugh at it is huge. It, it's hard. You know what? And I just got that a couple of days ago from uh, uh, this lady that I just told you about, Marianne, who's going to be uh, managing this multi-million dollar restaurant very soon. And I've been grooming her for a minute, uh, like literally two and a half years. And because that's how much confidence I had in this happening. So when she's like, you're going to be this person, like, two and a half years from now. And she's like, oh my God, that's so far away. And it's like, no, it's not. And it's happening today. But we had this like huge issue at the restaurant and whatnot. And I was just like, okay, cool. And she's like panicking, right? And she's like, ah, we're all gonna die. And like, we need to fix this. And ah. and then this other guy comes, like one of the other managers and everyone's like panicking. And I'm just like, like in the little table in the corner outside, far from everyone's my cigarette. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's like <laughs> I was like on my computer, you know, it was kind of like, hey, you guys done? Or are we going to figure this out? And everyone comes and she comes running is like, why are you so calm? Like, what? It's like, what do, what do we do? I was like, well, like that, you're not going to do anything. <laughs> it's like, you need to sit down, like calm down, have some water and let's think it through. It's like whatever it is. 
what's the worst that can happen? I mean, what is the worst possible scenario that like we have to close a restaurant one day for like in 10 years? Like really? And, and, and that really was the worst case scenario. Um, and I was like, what, what's the problem? It's like, calm down. It's like, we'll figure it out. Perspective. So, yeah. It's, it is perspective. And it, I think also that comes with a little bit of experience. Like I've been doing this for like a decade, right? I'm 33 and I started when I was like super young in the restaurant world. Man, that's not true. It's more than a decade. I'm 33 <laughs> and I started when I was like 20. So it's been like a few years of me doing this. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, just calm down. We'll figure it out. You have to be smart about things like that. Like whatever it is that you're doing, like you're not going to solve anything. I've never seen anyone in full panic mode solving anything. I mean this, like I've never seen like someone panicking, solving anything. Well, the one time like I like ran my scooter into somebody was cause I was rushing cause I was panicking cause I was late. Yeah. And that kind of made it worse. Cause when you're panic, you're like, oh, oh, wait, where's everything? Oh, wait. And like, and like you got to chill, especially like if you're driving a vehicle, chill, like yeah. don't ever get behind the vehicle when you're panicking. Yeah. And, and, and don't do anything where you're panicking. Yeah. Like the only thing you need to focus on when you're panicking is like not panic. <laughs> like, that's the one thing you need to do yeah. is like calm down. It's like really what's the worst that can happen. Yeah. We, we create these scenarios in our head sometimes that are so terrible and that 99% of the time just never happened. We're so mean to ourselves. We, we put ourselves through like hell and misery for no reason. And, you know, being in panic mode and, and feeling like you're doing something while you're panicking, like, you know, just doing stuff like that just doesn't solve anything. It's like, stop, don't panic. Like that's the one thing you need to do when you're panicking, stop panicking and think things through. Um, but obviously it's a restaurant industry. We go at a, a million miles per hour every right, day. Right. And then you have people sitting there like just Karen's looking at you like, Mm-hmm. We're, you know, <laughs> so you have true pressure. We, on you. we are blessed enough that the absolute vast majority of our customers and our guests are um, not Karens. So, <laughs> you know, we're very blessed with the, with the with shout the out Miami. Miami's got hey, a great crowd. Hey, man, I'm telling Love you. the people here, man. It's just it was like, there's like, this, this wasn't to my liking. Right. Any other restaurant would have been like, take this out. I was like, what is this? And everyone here is just like, it's all good, man. It's like, let's fix it. Yeah. Um, but, and you know what? That, that gives me a thought. Restaurants are the type of business, are probably the business where the most amount of things could potentially and possibly go wrong per day. Um, I can see that. There, there's a lot of people that don't take into account the amount of stuff that goes behind scenes, beyond the kitchen. And losing one person in the, cause I, I worked as a lot, like a sous chef or uh, not a sous chef, the dude that like connects the kitchen staff with the waiters. Uh -huh. I was like really young. Okay. I knew Are you nothing for a job. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're, we're, we're so hiring right now. I knew nothing um, about food. I didn't know the difference between blue cheese and ranch and that they ripped me apart, man. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and well, stuff like that happens. Yes. But that's lack of proper training. That's on them. That's not on you. Just so you know. So keep your head up. Um, but people think, oh, when people, when, when we in hospitality say there's a lot going on behind people only assume, yeah, they're cooking. Yeah. That's a part that you kind of don't see. 
but that's not what we mean. What we mean is like the printer in the kitchen just ran out of ink. We're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> the cooks are here, right? We have food. The printer's not working. Right. We have seven printers. That one is not working. We're fucked. Right? It's like internet's down. Oh, the guest is like, your Wi-Fi isn't working. And we're like, oh, I'm sorry. What really is happening is that the orders from the servers, from their little like mobile things that they place orders now, their mobile POSs, what that really means for us is that those tickets aren't getting to the kitchen. Right? It's like there's a million tiny... And then people just, yeah, then. And then when you're sitting on the other side of that mobile phone, you're like, what's going on? You're getting angry. You're calling. It's, it's, it's a like, nightmare. It's like a million things can go wrong. Gas. So like they shut the gas by accident. And this literally happened to us a few months ago. Uh, I'm not going to go into details to give other names, but they were cutting the gas of a very nearby restaurant. And by accident, they shut hours off. Saturday morning. <laughs> no way. Brunch. <laughs> brunch is fire at Vistro. And I was like, there's like 300 people here. And we have a line of like 400 people, right? It's like we're going to like 600 covers today. And there's no gas. So we can't cook. Like, what fault do I have? Right? It's like, I didn't do anything wrong. It's like, I pay my bills on time. Like, we do our part. We have the food. We have the cooks. And just shit like that happens. Shit like that happens. And there's nothing we can do. And just the amount of things... That, that can go wrong at a restaurant or, or I can imagine crazy. that like the uh, just staff all being plugged into it helps things move better. Yes. Cause it's like a, like a, a, a well-oiled machine. If like, yes it is. And well, you, you've been there. I, it's amazing without bias. Right. Yeah. Not because like you knew me or you just happened to the land second there. time I came because it was so good the first time. Right. But, but as, as just like a guest, like, I didn't. Yeah, we didn't know each other. I didn't pull you in. I no, didn't no, no. send you a DM like, "Hey, like free food on us." Like we didn't like officially meet. We kind of had an idea who we were, but not not really. Um, and that's what we're aiming for because it's it's uh, it's. Well, this is the first time the too. Thing. I've just like had even someone on the guest that does restaurants and stuff like this because I was so floored by my experience there. Oh, I'm blushing. Um, <laughs> but that's the plan. That's literally the plan. It's like do things so right, right, that they can't help themselves but to come back. And and Miami has been known for a very long time, although, again, I do think that's substantially changed, um, particularly in the last couple of years where, like, service wasn't great. And I just can't see that's true anymore. Not every place is great. You know, you have good and bad everywhere. But I just think the standard of service in Miami has been increasing substantially in the types of food. And I think we're going like full circle now back to what we were talking <laughs> at the beginning. Um, and it's really hard to get me away talking about like restaurants. Um, but but uh, but that's, that's the goal. Like do things so the Ian's of the world can come back to the restaurant without being pushed to the restaurant. Like no one asked you to go a second time. Alicia, she, she, she suggested the, the first, first time. Right. And thank you, Alicia. 
but you came back a second and that's thank you team. Yeah. Right. Thank you. That coffee, man, that coffee hits it's a different. So good. That coffee, coffee hits it's the, actually Italian. It's from, it's, it's from the Southern part of Italy. It's a very like small batch. Uh, it is commercial. Obviously they're shipping from Italy. Right. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very like dark roast Southern Italian coffee called Kimbo. I'm not getting paid for this. I will send a check. They should <laughs> send a check. Um, but it's great coffee. And that's, that's what we really tried to do. Uh, in this business that I manage, which is just, we try, we really try hard for everything to be amazing, everything to be unique. different yeah. and unique and authentic. And, and obviously Henry did a great job with, with the menu and, and, uh, the rest of the team did a great, uh, part with, with the coffees and the drinks and we don't have a liquor license. So we had to get creative. Um, there's so, two different types of liquor license, right? The so one. yeah, you have the, the, the beer and wine, yeah. which is like, 2000 bucks and everyone and anyone can get. And then you have the liquor license, which is crazy expensive. Is it like a quarter million? Or yeah, about. Unless you meet like certain other requirements. But yes, in a nutshell, it's quarter million dollars. Which we just don't need it. Um, but we wanted, we're a brunch spot. We wanted like Bloody Marys and this and that. So we got our, 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 um, um, our beer and wine license. And sake is wine. It's rice wine. So we do sake-based cocktails. So you get to enjoy a Bloody Mary without the vodka, but it's a sake-based, so we call it the Bloody Geisha Mary. Um, and we don't hide it. We're, like, very open about it. We're, like, very proud that we're pulling off cocktails with, you know, yeah, yeah, with yeah. a uh, rice wine-based um, drink. So, you know, and you have to get... And, and, and it, it just all ties together and ultimately comes back to... The center of our conversation, which I think is, is passion. Like we just really wanted to offer more than mimosas and coffee. Right. And someone came up with the idea of doing this with sake, and now we have like mojitos and margaritas and pina coladas and all these stuff, and, and it's all sake based. And people, some of them can't tell, and some of them actually enjoy it more than like the original versions. Wow. So, so it's just like cool you know it's like it's, it's just like it's good stuff it's good stuff well if you could if you could bring this all back and you could tell yourself back when you were 20 and now all the managing 100 plus 40 plus employees mm -hmm. and building this business and and we were talking about some side ventures and stuff that you're working on you're always hustling and moving what is maybe one two or three things that you could have told yourself that could have saved you like imagine like you see yourself you're like listen homie i got like one minute was good and like you just say a few things and you're like look <laughs> Buy at me. bitcoin look at me at 33 <laughs> besides bitcoin <laughs> i would have totally like at 20 it's like buy bitcoin and, and and obviously the answer can't be i wouldn't have told myself anything because it made me who i am because it's just a lame answer even though it's yeah. a good one it well, is eh, it, it's it could be authentic what are some, some what are some things you would tell yourself? What would I tell myself? Um, I would tell myself to shit. That's a tough one, man. You got me like really going full yeah. blown introspection yeah, yeah. right now. Um, I would think to be more compassionate. Um, because I've learned throughout the years that compassion, if managed well, leads to empathy and 
I've also learned that empathy gives you perspective and vision. Once you have like the full perspective, then you can develop a full vision. Um, and you know, when you're younger, you're a little bit of a dick and you think you know everything. And I remember a couple of times, clearly I, I apologize the way I am and I was raised, but I would still rather, you know, not talk to someone like this certain way or not say certain things. So to the younger me, I would have, I would have, uh, instilled like more love, and more compassion and more empathy. Um, what else did I ever say? Bitcoin? <laughs> I did. Did I? Okay. Uh, buy the dip. Okay. Yeah, buy the dip. Um, what else? That was one thing. Um, the other thing I think that I would tell my younger self was study more, like learn more. There was a period in my life in my like very early twenties, uh, where I got like a really nice job at a restaurant back in Bolivia. It was like, you know, like the restaurant. And I was like the operation kid because I was just like, you know, I kind of knew my stuff and I got hired like in a good position at, you know, the city's like best restaurant. And I was like, I thought it was a shit. Right. Um, so th there was like a few years from like 21 to like 22, 23 that I thought I knew fucking everything. Um, and I guess that comes with that age, right? right. I would assume I can't get over sometimes the fact that I wasted two years of my life, like not learning more. Um, So, yeah, just being stuck in your own head and, and just thinking you're the shit and living in ego dude, and like living in a different getting world. Getting in the best restaurant in this like third world country, like so young, in a good position, calling the shots, right? It can't get better than that, right? But then you look back and you're like, what a little piece of shit you were. <laughs> <laughs> right? like, I would have like, whooped my own ass if I go back there. I was like, what are you doing? Like, get the fuck out of your head, man. Um so that and the gift of perspective there is huge yeah I, I think that and if there would be a third thing um just i would just remind myself to be careful with with what i do and i think that applies to me 13 years ago and that applies to me yesterday uh, and two months ago and today, uh, like actions have consequences, man. They do. And I tried to be because of a recent lesson, um, a very recent lesson where I like really fucked up it. I, I lost a lot and because of my own mistake, because I just didn't, I just wasn't aware of the consequences of what I was doing. And that was a really huge pill to swallow mm. when you fuck up and you know, then that sense of guilt. Right. Um, so I would tell myself that every day from back then till today, it's like, just be cautious, be careful with what you do. You can hurt people. Right. It's just, be mindful. I think that's the, the, the word I'm looking for. Just be mindful of what you're doing. There's, you know, 
consequences to every action. And I, that's my third reminder to myself. I love it, man. That's deep stuff. It is. That's the recipe right there for a damn good day, baby. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that was too deep, right? We went from like, ooh, Miami. Ooh. I wouldn't say that was too deep. That was, was proper. Like, well, you asked the question. I'm, I, I can't lie. That's how it should be, man. Like, so, that's how life should be. Yeah. Uh, but we went from like Miami. Yeah. With shit. I told you it's like this. Too, I don't, too, you don't really have to like, like, Oh no. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't have done it, man. Yeah, I, shouldn't I shouldn't have done, done it. it. I should have done it, but still it's a good day. Look in the back. <laughs> um, but yeah, True. but again, that, I think that that answer in that moment, it really comes from passion too. It's like, it's just who I am. Um, well, speaking from the heart makes people realize that you're real and yeah. that we're all just a bunch of, you know, humans running around in the middle of time and space in the middle of nowhere. We don't know anything about anything, really. We don't know. But if we can enjoy about anything, if we can enjoy a moment together, and that's why I love like dinner parties. And yeah. I can't wait to invite you to my barbecues <laughs> and dinner parties. Absolutely. But like if we can enjoy just a moment together, break bread with somebody in a restaurant, smoking a cigar. Yeah. And you can just have that one on one quality time with another human soul. And you can just like, yeah, you just you just feel the not the energy but just relatability i think that's one of the best things about being alive yeah i wholeheartedly agree with you it's 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 that it's it's moments moments that's what life is just a bunch collection of, of moments bunch of moments that we collect throughout the day and some are good some are bad and hopefully and they tend to never be what we thought they were they, they yeah and both good and bad both good and bad uh, absolutely right and hopefully when it's time to go, it's more good than bad. And yeah, that's the game of life. Plan for the future, but live today, baby. Yeah, that's it. I agree 100%. That's the way to go. That's it, man. I think we got to end the episode on that. That's it. Why not? Why not? I think it's a great ending. And I said this off camera, but I will say on camera and on record. I am a declared fan of the damn good day show and of you. Um, it's it's cool. It excites me to to see people that that make me feel like I'm not the only crazy optimist in the world. <laughs> um, it feels lonely in the world of optimism sometimes. Um, you're like I'm always like hustling and smiling and doing, and then I look around and there's sometimes a lot of people that are just not as happy. And then you, you people like you come up and cross paths and has an entire Instagram page and podcast dedicated to showing the happies of the world and uh, gives us strength to, you know, continue our path. And I can't thank you enough for that. Because and I told you, I met you, I followed your page, and immediately I started, like, scrolling and, and looking at the people you're interviewing. And and it, it, it's it's, you know, sometimes we need those little pushes to, like, let's go. Come on, we can do it. And, and you do that. And, um, I don't know that you get thanked enough for what you do. So from the bottom of my heart, I really honestly thank you for what you do. I appreciate you, man. How can the people follow you if they want to get more Dan in their life? Um, I don't know. You know what? I think they should follow you on Instagram. Yeah. It's, it's, it's R U C H O R Rucor. Yes. That's what it is. I just wanted to check. I wasn't a hundred percent. So it's what at. R-U-C-H-O-R. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And then also check out Miami Times. They absolutely have to follow Miami Times. And they must follow uh, the company that I work for. That's BB Stro Miami, which is 
the shit. So it's the shit. If you're coming down to Miami, that's like a fire, fire brunch spot. Did we ever mention that restaurant today? I don't think so. Or Bitcoin. I don't remember. <laughs> Bitcoin, and Bitcoin that, yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah, man, I just, uh, you know, you wanted to end on that really cool note, but I want to end on the coolest note, which is your show and you and, uh, and an honest thank you for, for what you do, man. It's like, we need that optimism and, and you bring it every day and that damn has a, a lot of value. It's a damn good day to have a damn good day, baby. It is a damn good day to have a damn good day. Thank you for listening to another episode. Remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.